Hello and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space. My name is Matt. This is a show about Doctor Who and I am joined by the crystalline David. Ooh, crystalline, very nice. Um, I, I've been joking for weeks that I'm going to jump in and do the intro, so I thought I'd do it today. <laughs> That's quite exciting. Takes the pressure off me. Um, I, I wanted to do it this week because I, yeah. I I've got a little bit to say before we start. Yeah, 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 you go ahead. Um, so, this week, obviously the state of the country, blah, 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 blah. I, mm. I returned to work this week. Yeah. And a little bit of anxiety about going back might be like understatement of the century. Uh-huh. So, yeah. one one of the things I was doing just to like bide my time, I just jumped on Twitter just to see what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, put a little message out about the episode we're doing today. And I I just want to say a big thank you to anyone that's listening or anyone that interacts. Because actually, I had like quite a few nice conversations with people that listened this week. And it did me the world of good. Really cheered me up. Oh, well, that's fantastic. if you are listening, thank you. I know we always joke there's not many of you. But those of you Mm. that do listen do seem to be really, really nice. I've been half wondering, I think maybe I need to get myself a Twitter account. I've I've always resisted going on Twitter because I'm just not a big fan. I don't really do much social media stuff generally. But I'm kind of jealous of all of these lovely fan interactions you're getting. Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, One guy that listens, James Courtney. Mm. Mistakenly, I gave him a shout out last week, but I called him James McCutcheon. Because that's a James that I used to work with and it was just a Freudian slip. All right. So I told him it would just be easier for all involved if he could just be James McCutcheon. So he changed his <laughs> Twitter handle. And like, he just took it in such good spirits. That really, oh. really did cheer me up. Obviously, oh, we've got fantastic. Chris that listens, who you know gives me a little bit of guidance before each episode. I'm always grateful mm-hmm. for that. Uh, a new listener this week, we had Kimberly, who seems very kind. She started listening from the very beginning. Wow! Imagine she's, she's how work cut out imagine how much dearth she's got to get through. Oh God! The, yeah, all and, and the the audio quality, which frankly is never brilliant on this show. We make, I make no apology for that. And she we she she actually damages. said when I was interacting with her that her favourite part is during the episodes when you sing. Now I can't remember that, so I thought just <laughs> for Kimberly, you could just belt out a few bars. Oh, do I ever sing? Well, apparently, so... Um, Oh, but, you know, all I can sing at the moment is flipping nursery rhymes. Go go for it. You know, having having a toddler. I'll tell you what, I've got an obscure one. Um, I don't know if anyone is aware of the Australian children's music group, The Wiggles. Oh, yeah. Big Red Car. It's a personal favourite. Should I do a little bit of Big Red Car? Go on. Toot, toot, chugga, chugga, Big Red Car. We travel near and we travel far. Toot toot, chugga chugga, big red car. We're gonna ride the whole day long. There. See now, now's the point where I reveal that I just totally made up the thing about her liking your singing. I just wanted you to get out there. <laughs> got him. We you got him, guys. Wanker. You colossal wanker. <laughs> Well, anyway, well, that's my day made. Um, but yeah, on, on a serious note, the, the people that I've spoken to in relation to the show just seem to be really lovely, great people. And like I say, mm. I, I wouldn't say I was in a pit this week, but I, I wasn't feeling my best and it really did cheer me up. I'll be eternally grateful for that. Excellent. Um, that's really good to hear. And, uh, you know, what are we gonna given that you're in good... <sighs> Fucking do you, think, dogs. do you think we have enough that we can legitimately do that? Yeah, now? could we call them the fucking dogs without it being really offensive? <laughs> I mean, like I spoke to a to, bunch of fucking dogs this week. I mean, that go, kind of goes for all who fans to begin with. Yeah, but, I feel know, like I've undone all the nice so, pleasantries. I've but, like, but, but done doubly stuff so, really, if you're a, if you're in, a big enough Doctor Who fan that you're willing to actually listen to us talking about it. Yeah, that's that. You're really plumbing the depths. And there, I've aren't said you? it a lot recently. <laughs> I know in relation to Doctor Who and our show, I play the bad guy, but mm. I, I did think it was really important to say a big thank you to those. Those those three in particular, but anyone Absolutely. who's taken the time to listen. 
No, I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, um, you seem very jovial this week. Does that mean you enjoyed this episode? Well, We're talking about the snowmen, incidentally. I don't know if we mentioned that up top, but... Uh, uh, I'll tell you a secret why I might be jovial. I- I'm almost okay. in silly mood today. Um, <laughs> it's so warm, I'm, I- I'm recording this just in a pair of shorts. Yeah, um, it's roasting at the moment, uh, isn't But it? at the same time, it's raining here, so if you can hear rain throughout this episode, please don't judge us. We're not in control mm. of the weather. We do this yeah. for free, so take a I, I was out. I was out of it this morning as well. It's not. It's not like refreshing rain. It's just hot rain. Yeah. It's not. I just feel like I've just present. been hot for like weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're so British, aren't we? We moan when it's cold, and we <laughs> yeah. moan when it's hot. <laughs> like there is a very, very narrow range in which British people are actually happy with the weather. Um. um but to go back to your question, did I like mm-hmm. this episode? I yes. think it's. Just the right side of all right, I would say, for me. I mean, I'll take that. For a Christmas special, that's high praise indeed, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did make a... I don't want to dwell on the fact for too long, but I did make a mm. prediction when talking to our listener Chris this week. Uh, I just want to read you my bold prediction. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so just based on what I knew that was the title, The Snowman, I said, mm-hmm. Snowmen come to life. Probably in Victorian Britain, as it always seems to be at Christmas in Doctor Who. (laughs) It'll turn out they're just aliens who need to learn a Christmas lesson, and everyone will part as friends. Now, if that doesn't hit the nail on the head for this episode, Mm. I don't know what does. I mean, you certainly got the first half bang on. I'm not. I, I might take slight issue with some of the details in the second half. Of that, but 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 yeah. I mean, snowmen coming to life, Victorian Britain. Yeah, absolutely, hundred um, percent. So I think this is head and shoulders above every other Christmas special we've seen today. Yeah, but that's not strong competition. I, I agree no, with absolutely. that. I would probably say it's the best we've seen. And, I, I, and f- furthermore, I think it is. Possibly Stephen Moffat's funniest script. Yeah, there's a few jokes I, that hit. I would say I really like the humor. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest. I just um, having Vastrogeny and, and Strax already. Yeah, I, I like the Doctor me. having a intergalactic Scooby Gang. Yeah, they're so fun, aren't they? I'm, of, of, and, out of and any recent characters them, we've had, some of their lines are the best in the show this episode oh i've made a big note i mean i like it where they open the door and they just go who are you and they just say oh well i'm a lizard woman from the dawn of time and this is my wife (laughs) (laughs) you know know, if that's not funny i I don't know what is indeed indeed um so yeah i i really like this episode and and i think part of the reason why it feels more substantial than a lot of christmas specials um and that's obviously because it's not throwaway. It's actually setting up a new sort of story arc, really. It, yeah, but what I liked about it is, although it does have its guest stars, mm-hmm. the the last few Christmas specials have basically hung a hat on the fact they've got Christmas guest stars and not a lot else. Yeah, you know, we it's like, oh look, we've got Kylie Minogue, and that's pretty much the point of that episode. Yes, yeah, it kind of is. Whereas, I know we've got guest stars here, but they do a good job. They service the plot. Yeah, absolutely. They're, you know, they're, they're just there to to uh, to play the villain of the week, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but, and we haven't really talked about it, but big names in terms of the, the uh, guest actors mm. this week. So you've got um, Richard E. Grant playing Dr. Simeon. Mm-hmm. Which um, I don't know. Have I mentioned this on the podcast or anywhere to you before or not? Um, also, technically, a former doctor, Richard E. Grant. Oh, really? Yeah, he, but it, it was weird because it basically a couple of years before the official revival with with Russell T. Davis uh, in two thousand and five, there was a BBC webcast animated story called "The Scream of the Shanker." Okay, and it was a completely different production team doing it. It was, and it was, it was intended to be a sort of. The, I think they did it a, as a one-off to mark the anniversary, with it being an anniversary year um, for for Doctor Who. Um, would have been fortieth, um, but they. Um, 
the, the the intention was maybe if it's successful enough that that could go on to they might do further animated stories with the Richard E. Grant Doctor, so an alternative ninth Doctor, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, the next year they're they're working. You know, BBC Wales are working on the revival with Russell T. Davis, and so that kind of got nixed. Um, so yeah, there's a sort of alternate universe out there where Richard E. Grant was the the full time ninth Doctor in doing animated stories. Um, and I've never watched The Scream of the Shalka, and uh, I've actually held off watching it because I thought it might be fun for us to do on the podcast one day. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Just be, um, just being honest, I don't really like Richard E. Grant. Do you not? No, and I can tell you where it all stems from. When I oh, was in sixth form and I was doing A-level media, and, I mean, you can imagine the sort of kids that do A-level media... I and, certainly can. And, I was one of them. And they were all all like, oh, you have to watch With Nail and I. It's such a good mm. film. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's just about two Burks that get drunk. That's about it. I really don't like well, it. Well, thank you for listening to the last ever episode of Neither <laughs> the Time Nor the Space. <laughs> what? Is it like one of your... It's own... one of my favourite films. It's... Uh, I mean, I put it on our Twitter feed. Have you... Been following the Richard E. Grant with Nail and Isolation on Twitter. No, I haven't. So basically, that sounds tedious, every but... day he logs on and does mm-hmm. a quote from the film. And I just really like it because one of my favourite comedians, I talk about him all the time, Limmy, mm-hmm. does yeah. fantastic parodies. <laughs> yeah. So every day he logs on and parodies whatever it is. So Richard E. Grant just logs in and he's just like, I'm having shepherd's pie for tea. But what whatever he does, he pretends it's like the funniest line of the funniest film ever. Mm. So he then bursts out laughing. And I just think, uh, no, it's... N- that, that does sound awful. Yeah. So <laughs> that sounds absolutely awful. It just every um, day, it's like yeah, a 10 second clip of him just going, yeah. let's go to the pub. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that I I'm not I'm not on board no. with that. But I'm just but, looking at his filmography. I only like Star I, Wars that he was in, and that's not because <laughs> of him. Yeah, no, I, I with Nail is one of those ones because it does get overhyped, and I I I, I can understand if you, if you're going if you're going into with Nail like expecting it to absolutely change your world and. And you're you you're you're just sitting there with your arms folded. Come on, then impress me. Yeah, it's not going to work. But if you, I don't know. I I came to it very very naturally. Where I was I was staying around a mate's one night. We we were already sort of up a bit too late. And he was like, "Have you ever seen with now?" And I and I hadn't. So we we were, I was watching it in that kind of half woozy state. Mm. And I feel like that is the perfect environment in which to experience with Nan and I for the first time. And I genuinely do think it is an incredibly funny film, but you have to be in the right headspace for it. Otherwise, it feels very slight because there is basically no plot to it. Mm. Um, but And there is also, under all the humour, there is a beautiful melancholy to it as well and, and all the rest of it. I, I do think it's a fantastically well-made film, but it, it's not... It's not something you can just stick on and, and is a guaranteed success in whatever context. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that's probably enough about that. We've, there's another guest star in this episode that we also need there to is. mention. Ian McFlipping Kellen. Yeah. Now, that on the flip side, I, I, I won't have a bad word said against him. Mm. I won't have a bad word said against the man or his work. Even though he's obviously phoning it in on this because it's just, you know... They could already get him to do a voice. Well, yeah, <laughs> but he's just—he just—he was sat in some I, studio. I'd like with to a think he has for the, an hour. I'd like to think he has the same attitude I do towards Doctor Who, and he's like, if I can take some money out their pockets, I'm going <laughs> to bloody do it. Uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so it's um, t- two uh, two excellent actors, I think, for the sort of villain of the week for this story, and. Um, yeah, but uh, but they as you say they don't dominate really. It's it you know it, the, your, our central cast for this episode is um, Strax, Jenny, and uh, Vastra. 
Hmm. And uh, but I, I would almost <coughs> argue the Doctor isn't as important in this episode as he is in others. He's like the guiding no. hand for other characters, well, really, isn't he? Well, this is well, this is him getting back on the horse, isn't it? Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, let's should we just get should we just get stuck into it? Yeah. And, uh, why not? Go through okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So this is from Christmas Day, two thousand and twelve. Mm-hmm. Written by Stephen Moffat. Yeah, and I, I think He's... you can sort of tell that. Oh yeah, it's got his 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 handprints all over it. Yeah, but he also acknowledges where the Doctor's been and where he's going. If you know what I mean? Yes. This yeah. this doesn't say, stick that, out like what... a sore thumb, like other Christmas no, specials. No, exactly. That, that's where I say. I think one of the reasons it's so successful is I think it it really. Um, in terms of continuity, it's sort of looking back to the past a little bit. Um, obviously, with the you know we're bringing back uh, supporting characters from A Good Man Goes to War, mm-hmm. um, and actually it's casting its eye even further back. But we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, but also, it's casting an eye to the future of the show, um, and sort of what is going to be the storyline propelling us through the back half of series seven. Um, so as a result, it's not throwaway. I dread to think what it was like for a casual audience mm. coming into this episode. Because it's not the usual sort of just knockabout, jump in and you know what's going on. I feel like this would be quite an alienating episode so, if, you've not been, if you've not been watching the show. A, a, a couple of weeks point. ago, when we looked at the last episode from season, yeah. whatever it is that we're looking at, season seven, is it? Yes. Um, would you say that whatever the next episode is that we're going to look at would be a better entry point? Because you sort of said season seven comes in part A and part B. Uh, no, this this is your entry point into part B okay. of series seven, okay. you know, because otherwise, because certainly the last sort of five minutes of it, yeah, setting up the sort of mystery surrounding uh, Clara, that really... Um, I think you'd, you'd struggle with the, the start of Series 7 proper without having had that context. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. So, yeah. So, we're in 1842, mm-hmm. as predicted. And I, you know what? I could feel your heart sinking the moment. <laughs> yeah. I saw... It's just <laughs> like, why is it always Victor? I mean, I know it, it's they, based on, like, Christmas Carol and, and the Dickens-esque. And, and it's because it's the BBC, so they've already got the props and the costumes and the sets just knocking around. Yeah. It's 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 so it's so quick and cheap for for the BBC to knock together a bit of Victorian London for you, <laughs> so, and it looks nice. So there's like you know. scary snowflakes falling towards yeah. the earth, and yeah. this is where we're introduced to Walter, yeah, who's like a weird reclusive child, mm-hmm. and his snowman to play talks with other kids. to him, yeah. He sort of, sort of talk. It's all always like parroting back, isn't he? He says, "I don't want to play the other. They're silly." And and then the snowman very creepily says, "They're silly." Yeah. In in the the most Ian McKellen voice imaginable. Yeah. yeah so it tells him that he doesn't need anyone and that he can yeah. help him. Yeah. I mean, how would you respond if, like, I started our call today and just said, "Oh, by the way, David, you don't need anyone. I can help you." <laughs> I would respectfully disagree. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a normal way to start a conversation, is it? No, but you know, kids, so, kids are impressionable, aren't they? We then fast forward fifty years, and this is where we're introduced to Richard E. Grant, who is playing yeah. older Walter, now Doctor mm-hmm. Simeon, mm-hmm. who is working for the Snow. Yeah. So I put at this point, it's voiced by Ian McKellen. Yeah. And I you say what you like about Richard E. Grant. He's the, the sourness in his face. Yeah. In that first shot, and well, it tells you everything you need to know about the intervening fifty years. Well, like I mentioned earlier, there are like some standout lines in this episode, and I think one of yeah. them is where he goes outside and all the paupers are waiting to be fed. They're like, "Oh, yeah. you said you'd feed us," and he goes, yeah, "Yes." He's been he's been using them for manual labour. Yeah, he says, yeah. "Yes, I said I'd feed you." But I didn't say who to, which yeah. I think is a great line. <laughs> that's a that's a proper villain line, yeah. isn't it? So the snowmen sort of come to life and start devouring all the paupers. Yeah, and there you go. All, all, already, you've indicated you've got your 
Um, you've got your killer snowmen. You've got your Victorian London. So you must have been feeling very smug at this point, yeah. and the credits haven't even rolled. Yeah, I, I knew exactly what was coming on yeah. with this episode. Uh, yeah. But at this point, I've just written, the Dalek girl is here. Mm. Now, is this, is this still pre-credits? Because I want to talk about the credit sequence. Okay, so, well, yeah. All right, so, yes, there she is. Now, I, I feel like maybe we need to address um, something that got edited out of our discussion of Asylum of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. I had been being so strict with myself in not wanting to spoil the the recurrence of Clara because I didn't know whether you would recognise her or not. Well, I, I um, sort of did in the sense that I'd maybe seen it on like the flashcard for on Netflix yeah. for Doctor Who. Yeah, but, exactly. It's at this point, it's it's nearly ten years ago. It's hard to completely avoid, but I I'd been studiously referring to her as Oswin throughout the episode that we were recording until. Like the last two minutes yeah. where I accidentally said Clara instead, <laughs> at which point you had to fess up and say that you ha- you did already know. Yeah. Um, so but at the same time, that wasn't so like, bad. But I didn't know that wasn't Clara. If you know what I mean. I yeah. up until watching this episode, I was of the assumption he was probably going to meet that Dalek, whatever again. Yes. Yes, yeah. So so it was still a surprise for you to suddenly see her in a completely different guise. If yeah, you know. and I think it was nice in that... I mean, I, I don't know the story of casting, whether she was always going to be Clara or whether it was mm-hmm. typical Doctor Who. They just met her and they had a nice time and then cast her. Yeah. But it was nice that they acknowledged having seen that actress before, if you know what I mean. Yes. You yeah, know, like, we've yeah. already seen Karen Gillan and Peter Capaldi before they're yeah. involved. Yeah. So, for that to sort of come full circle for the first time mm-hmm. was, was yeah, definitely Yeah, it makes good. it feel... Yeah, it feels less coincidental. It's more like there is there is something going on here. Yeah, yeah. so, like I say, I, I mean, I've put the Dalek girl is here. We might as well refer to mm. her as Clara from now on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she has a little interaction with the Doctor... Just sort mm-hmm. of says "Merry Christmas," blah blah, and from nowhere a snowman appears. Mm-hmm. The doctor just walks off as she tries to talk to him. He's yeah. very melancholy, isn't he? He's he's sort of done with the saving the world business. Yeah, he's having a big old sulk. Yeah, um, but you know, um, we, we've seen that before with the doctor. He loses a companion. Yeah, and he he needs to have a big old mope to get over it. Yeah. Uh, but Clara chases him. She yeah. is intrigued by his behaviour and character. Yeah. yeah. So the Doctor jumps into a horse-drawn carriage mm-hmm. and, you know, he begins talking to Madame Vastra, who says, well, you've met her and the it's always the same. It's the same two words. And the Doctor says, well, what do you mean? And She doesn't even, yeah, he, he, she, he says she doesn't even have the name Doctor. Yeah. And she pokes her head down from the top of the carriage and says... Doctor Who. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, that's getting real old real quick. But, (laughs) yeah, that... It's a good introduction in the sense that if you conflict it with Amy, who had met the Doctor, had known what he was all about, then had Mm -hmm. her adventures, here it's someone like, well... Who is this mysterious man? What is he all about? Yes. And, you know, I I feel like we haven't really had that. Because even when Donna joined forces, she'd had a previous experience with him. Absolutely. It's, I mean, we've not, it's been a while since we've seen the Doctor at a point in a sort of mental space where he's kind of resisting the call to adventure. Mm. You know, he basically is just trying to just stay out of everything as much as possible. And I think he already knows he could, he just has that sense that, Oh, I could be like, this could be another one. And I don't want that right now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like he doesn't want to start acquiring a new companion and, and getting sucked into things. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So let me get title sequence, new title sequence. Um, and did you notice Matt Smith's face. 
the face is back. It's quite subtle. I maybe but... didn't. I maybe was. Yeah. Usually when I'm watching and yeah, I'll have been making notes when the title's on. That's yeah. like thirty seconds Keep... breathing time for me. Yeah. Keep an eye out for it ne- uh, for next episode. Does he wink? Yeah. This is. He no winking, oh, fortunately. Good. It's it's a lot more subtle. It's like it's almost sort of translucent. It just c- comes up for a second. But I quite like having the face back in the title sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. after the titles, we're back with Richard E. Grant, who yeah. is talking about a woman who died in a pond, mm-hmm. and he alludes to the fact he wants whatever is in the pond. Yes. So this lady has died in there, but there's something he wants yeah. in that pond. And it's a f- frozen pond. Yeah. yeah. So he meets Vastra and Jenny mm-hmm. Flint. Yes. And they have a conversation about learning memory snow. Yeah. I mean, if that's it's not a... the most Doctor Who sentence of all time, I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't really get away with telepathic... Snow on any other television programme, I don't know. I, program, I, don't I just think. feel sometimes they'll be in the writer's room, they'll have run out of ideas, and they look out the window, and just like the first snowfall of winter, and they'll all like high-five and rejoice. I think you're giving them too much credit. I think they've got two dartboards, one with adjectives and one with nouns. Yeah. It's like, it's like memory, okay, uh, yeah. snow. Robotic... <laughs> Butterflies. There we go. <laughs> That's an episode. Yeah. So back with the doctor. He's he's kind of investigating what's going on, although mm. not to his normal rigor. And he's working with Strax. Yes. Yeah. The psychotic potato dwarf, as he's referred to. <laughs> yes. I love Strax. I'm just going to throw that out there. He's the, the, he's a bit of a Marmite character within the fandom. A mm. lot of people don't like Strax. And I think the main argument against Strax is that because he is essentially a comedy Sontaran, it kind of cheapens the the threat level but I like of Sontarans. they've embraced everything that's silly about them. Yes, you know, exactly. Like, yeah. If somebody was explaining them to me and just like, oh, they're this warrior race that only live for war and blah de blah de blah, the worst thing mm-hmm. they can do is be kind. That is everything I would poke fun at. Yes. And the fact they're doing it just makes it so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And and credit as well to Dan Starkey who plays Strax. His his comedic timing and delivery is just spot on well, with every line. Should we talk about the memory worm? I've just called it we memory must worm talk. banter. Yes, we must talk about the memory worm because it's it's just a great little set piece, isn't it? Right. So if you so, touch the memory worm, yeah, you lose an hour of consciousness. Absolutely. So he's he's trying to wipe Clara's memory. Um, yeah, specifically her memory of him. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. If the worm bites you, you can lose substantially more of that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Potentially, like your entire, you know, life's memories. So, so the doctor um, orders Strax to get the memory worm, yeah. and whilst he's instructing him, I think Clara's present at this point. And mm-hmm. as the doctor's talking about the memory worm, he says it's really important you wear gauntlets when handling it. Mm-hmm. And I think Strack says, well, handling what? Yes, and he and... just sort of comes back empty-handed. Yeah. <laughs> and then the doctor's like, the memory worm. And Strax is like, all right, did you want me to go get that? And mm-hmm. he's quite clearly touched it without the gauntlets on. Yeah. And, and get... then it, cu- it cuts to a little bit later and the memory worm's like, on like loose and they've been scrabbling around trying to find it under the carriage and which has my favorite line where Strax suddenly just declares to, to the doctor sir i think i've been run over by a cab yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and clara's just sort of standing off to one side just faintly amused by this nonsense mm. um, so as this is going on another snowman and then snowmen approach mm-hmm And it turns out that they do what you think. So if you're afraid of them, they become scary and attack. Mm -hmm. Okay. So all all Clara has to do is kind of visualise melting 
them. Yeah. And, yeah. But as soon as she does, the Doctor kind of ditches her and says, the snow's not my problem. Yes. Yeah. And then I, I sort of made my notes two minutes too early on this bit. Mm-hmm. I'll just put the, tar- okay. the TARDIS is up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Not quite. So it's floating up in the clouds. Mm-hmm. It's got some sort of super duper spiral staircase to access yeah. it. But in order to do that, you need to reach a ladder that drops down. Yes. I think this sequence is beautiful. I I really like the bit where Clara is ascending the stairs and walking amongst the clouds for the first mm-hmm. time. You know, as an introduction to it, adventure, it's really good. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's Doctor Who is most fantastical. But it feels right, especially for a Christmas special. And I don't always love Murray Gold's music, but I think his score for that for this scene is just, you know, it, perfect. I, it's I like imagine on YouTube, fairy dust. somebody has taken this scene and put over like the John Lewis Christmas advert music, and it would <laughs> it would fit perfectly. It really that's would. what it, it reminded that me of. To it. Yeah, yeah. So it's. So, I don't think you'd get away with it on a, on a regular episode, but on a Christmas special, it feels just right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It 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 certainly has the mood of Christmas without being mm. on the nose. Yeah, definitely. So once up there, she knocks on the door, mm-hmm. and the doctor answers, and they kind of do that thing where they're at opposite sides. Yeah, she's sort of hiding and. I think she hasn't quite decided whether she, she'd risk going in yet or not. Mm. And eventually she kind of chickens out. Yeah. So she runs back down the stairs. Yeah. And at this point... But she leaves her... She drops her scarf in the process. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, know she, she does. Up on that. She definitely does, because then the, the Doctor sort of finds it and sort of smells it and, and, and realises it was her. Mm-hmm. Um... So he has an awareness of the fact that she followed him and, and now knows where his TARDIS is. Um, but anyway, yes. So the snow sort of whispers she is coming and the mm-hmm. pond begins to thaw. Yeah. So it turns out that Clara... And I, I couldn't work out at this point whether Clara was acting as Miss Montague or Miss Montague was acting as Clara... Yeah, I think it's intentionally ambiguous. Mm -hmm. But as well as working in like a alehouse, she is also the governor of Captain Latimer's children, and Mm -hmm. that is the the previous person that held that job is the lady that died in the pond. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. And completely different voices as well for uh, Miss Montague and and Clara. So Clara the barmaid has a Cockney accent. And then... Um, Miss Montague's like Miss Montague the Queen's is, English, isn't it? Yes, it's she's just f- full, full Mary Poppins. Okay. So one of Captain Latimer's daughters, uh, Francesca, has mm-hmm. nightmares of the dead woman in the pond, the previous yeah. governor. Yeah. See, I, I feel like the Captain Latimer storyline was really going somewhere. Because throughout, he mm. says, you know, oh, I have no skill in dealing with children. And he doesn't really get that redemption at the end. No. I thought at the he's... end it would be like, you know, and they all hug and live happily ever yeah. after. But it's just sort of like, uh, my kids are still here. <laughs> 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 I mean, which I guess is the more realistic outcome. Well, yeah, but for a Christmas special, you know, <laughs> yeah. we saw that one where there's the trees in Andrazani Major that yes. come to life, yeah. and that was all yeah. about a family coming back together. Yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think, uh, I think Moffat just got a bit sidetracked. It just wasn't yeah. really the thing he was interested in in this particular story. Um, I think Latimer's all right as a straight man character. Though. I think especially later on as things sort of start to converge on his house. Yeah. Um, he's quite... He's quite. So fun. the only thing that is frozen now is that pond, even though it's thawing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So understanding that Francesca's been haunted in her dreams, Clara returns to get the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But 
as she's sort of stood in the square trying to jump up and reach the ladder for the TARDIS, she's stopped by Jenny Flint. Yes. Who I I think might be one of my favourite characters in this episode. Yeah, and she probably has less to do than Vastra and Strax, but... But just, I like the idea of, like, a normal person who isn't Mm -hmm. the companion in on what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, she's not. She's not like without her. Like, she's obviously got some fairly advanced combat training mm. and stuff. Like, because we saw that in a Good Man Goes to War, and and again when you know earlier when she's she and Vastra are out doing some investigating, they could get confronted by Doctor Simeon. You know, she's she's in her sort of um, almost like sort of. Um, pseudo superhero get up, yeah. you know, like a Victorian superhero get up. She's in. Um, so yeah, but she is. But she's of the three of them. She is by far the most normal. She's human for starters. Um, so she takes yeah. Clara to Madame Vastra. Yes, and in order to meet with the Doctor, Vastra mm-hmm. administers what's called the one word test. Yeah. So, what did you think of this scene? I, I liked it. I liked the idea yeah. that she said that, um, you know, words become lies. So you have yeah. to answer every question in a single word. Yes. To, it's kind of a way of peeling back the layers to find the truth. And um, I like it as well. Especially I, and I think it... when it escalates and she says, fine, we will give a message to the doctor. You get one word. Mm-hmm. And obviously with the frozen woman being in the pond... With the word being pond, yes. that starts a fire under the doctor. Yes, you know, yeah, because yeah. that you know that's the thing that he has been avoiding for. We don't know how long exactly, do we? But well, no, I feel but like it's I th- been years. I think in this episode he says, you know, I've been travelling for over a thousand years, and I'm pretty certain mm. every episode I've seen so far, he always says over nine hundred years. Um, there is a bit of a jump if you think. Um, it's easy to forget, but the the Doctor we see at the start of Series 6 is around 900 years mm. old. The Doctor we see by the end of Series 6 is about 1,100 years yeah. old. Um, there's a lot of time in yeah. the middle. Um, yeah. But, so yeah. yeah. So, having returned to form, the Doctor <laughs> immediately acts as Sherlock Holmes. You know, if ever there was an yeah. indication he was back on the job, yeah, this was it. And he yeah. goes straight to question Dr. Simeon. Do, do you, what do you think of the, the... I don't know if you noticed in the score, but like they intentionally do the music in the style of Sherlock. Yeah, I quite like this scene. Because obviously Doctor yeah. Who's got links with Sherlock, hasn't it? Yeah, it's the same showrunner yeah. at the moment. Like, Stephen Moffat was... was Show running Sherlock at the same time he was writing this series, right. which is do you think, insane. Do you think, think that about. was just sort of bit of ego going on there, bit of self fellatio? I think it was more just uh, well, it was a fun nod for for him in terms of the gag for this mm. this episode, yeah. But in general, I think it's when you're a creative person, you you are grateful for any project you can get off the ground. And even if it means you have to work ridiculous hours to, to do things simultaneously, if that's what it takes to, to get your vision out there, you'll yeah. do it. And so I don't, I don't resent Moffat for, for doing both, even though I do think sometimes I do think the quality of both Sherlock and Doctor Who at times potentially suffered from him being stretched a bit too thin. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah, but I, I like this as a, as, a, as a reference. So, at this point, we find out that the snow is the intelligence. Mm, the great intelligence. I don't know whether they specifically mention it as the great intelligence until later, but let's talk about the great intelligence, because I don't know if you're aware, this is a deep cut. Okay. We are going all the way back to the Troughton years, the second Doctor, for our first appearance of the great intelligence. Okay. So, are there any references to that? Because I didn't pick yes. up on that at all. There, there is, there is one that comes a bit later. 
Um, and, and later on, obviously, he, get, he looks at the cards and, and, and he sees that it says the Great Intelligence. Uh, on like, It's the Great Intelligence Institute is the name of Simeon's yeah. outfit. Um, but yeah, so the Great Intelligence essentially is what, what it sounds like. It's sort of a disembodied uh, cognitive being. I think... It's not directly analogous, but think in terms of maybe like Q from Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I feel like maybe a little more malevolent than Q. Right. Q's more just bored than anything. Yeah. You know, that seems to be his main motivation. Um, but it's it's that same thing of being like non-corporeal and um, quite power hungry the great intelligence so previously it's uh it's used robotic yetis as its main form of and also it's interesting to point out that the two great intelligence stories there were there were two separate stories um with patrick troughton's doctor uh the second doctor those are both set after this one they're, but they're, uh, they're yeah, set in sort of the 1930s and 1960s so this is technically earlier in the great intelligence's timeline but then because of the nature of it does it experience time in a linear fashion i don't know you know so it's hard to say definitively other people have probably put a lot more effort into figuring that stuff out than me um but this is yeah this is probably the deepest cut we've had since um the macra in uh gridlock that's right those were the big crabs weren't they Yes, yeah. Um, and, and it's interesting that the, the Great Intelligence never made a comeback throughout the rest of Classic Who. It was only over yeah, the second it, Doctor. It seems like a fairly versatile villain that you could use exactly. in a lot of different scenarios. Exactly. It's kind of the perfect Doctor Who villain because because you could, it could be, could be portrayed by any actor in any form. Um, so was, was it always just a big ball? You see, I've... I've never actually the, the 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 first story I believe is entirely missing, and I am currently halfway through watching the Web of Fear. I've been watching it on my own time, yeah. um, which is the second story, um, and I've not actually got. I've, I think I'm episode on episode three of it, and so I've not really encountered the Great Intelligence in that story yet. So I can't right. tell you what it looks like. Okay, um, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know that it is. I think the, the sort of the the sort of snow globe style of it, I think, is probably a decision, a production decision that was made in this story for the purposes of linking it to the to, to the snow. Okay. Um, so, as as it is just a ball of snow, mm-hmm. the Doctor deduces it wants to upgrade from ice because obviously that's a huge vulnerability if it tries to take over the Earth in June. Yes. You yeah. know. It's its weakness. So what it wants is the governess that died in the pond because as yes. she is frozen, she is the perfect mesh of ice and human DNA. Yes. So yes. they see that body as their bridge to becoming human, for want of a better mm-hmm. term. Yeah, or at least yeah, having a, having a form that could survive any weather. Yeah. So once he's worked that out, the Doctor goes back to the pond... And is seen by Clara. She's up in a window. Yeah. And this is, again, we get a nice little funny moment where he's just like, I'm not going up to talk to her. I'm just investigating. Yeah. And yeah. as soon as she beckons him up, he just goes straight away. Yeah. And like to the point that he, he he's he's going to just, he decides he's going to gesture to her to tell her that he's not coming up. But instead just sort of does a thumbs up and a little <laughs> nod and stuff. It's like, where did that come from? Now, here's a question for you. Yes. Now, uh, am I right in thinking you've seen the entirety of Clara's run? I have, yes. Is her catchphrase, you wouldn't believe me if I told you? No. Ah. She seems to say it a lot in this episode. Hmm. Does she? I've never noticed that. She says it to the children... Mm. Um, I'm pretty certain she says it in the pub where they say, oh, where are you off to? She goes, oh, you wouldn't mm. believe me if I told you. She seems to say it a lot. Maybe it is a conscious thing in this particular script that I've not been aware of, but um, no, if anything, her catchphrase is what, what gets lampshaded later in the episode, but we'll, okay. you know, we'll so, talk about that later. Then, as the Doctor 
is making its way up. Clara's talking to the children because uh, Francesca, one of the children, is you know worried about her nightmares. And this is the first time we see what I've called the icy ghost woman, mm-hmm. which approaches. You know, it's calling yeah. the children naughty. And yes. I think this might be the most obscure kill we've ever seen. The Doctor kills it yeah. with Punch and Judy. Yes. <laughs> um, can we talk about the, 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 the animation style of the Ice Lady? Because I don't know how you feel about it, but I really like the sort of jerky motion of it. I, I it... think so, but I, 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 what it really reminded me of in this period was, like, yeah. I think this would have been around the time of like the X-Men films. Where you have right. Iceman, and I don't know if I've ever seen a good example of CGI creating, you know, ice people or crystal people. Mm. It always just looks, it just falls into that like uncanny valley for me, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I think that feels exactly right for this because she's but, well, she's essentially at, a monster. At the same time, I think it works quite well here mm-hmm. because it gives her that inhumane quality. Exactly. And and in terms of the motion of it, it actually really reminds me of Ray Harryhausen films. Mm-hmm. You, are, are you familiar with things like Jason and the Argonauts? Yes, and, yeah. You know, those where, where it's all like stop motion. Um, so it has the, it, it, that sort of slightly jerky movement gives it an unnatural quality, which feels really right. So I think it's actually one of the creepiest monsters we've seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very quickly dispatched by by the Doctor popping up in a Punch and Judy theatre and just uh, giving her a quick zap with the old uh, sonic screwdriver. Yeah. So, pretty much as soon as the Doctor's had time to introduce himself, the room begins to get colder because the mm-hmm. Ice Lady is reforming. Yeah. And yeah. they give a little bit of chase around the house because um, I can't even forget, remember the guy's name. But Captain Latimer, sorry. Latimer. They live in like a big, almost stately home. Yes. Um, So they give chase and the Doctor manages to keep the Ice Lady at the top of the stairs. Mm -hmm. And this is, uh, we talked about it earlier, where Vastra and Jenny Flint enter the house. And Strax. Yeah. Yeah, so they all all come piling in. Strax is dressed as a butler. Yes, he has been throughout. He 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 has become the the, the butler to Strax and Jenny's household. Ah, right. I actually... didn't know if he'd done that to try and sneak into like Latimer's like. Estate. No, he's been wearing he's been wearing that costume throughout. But yeah, I, it's a good it's a good look on him. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there is actually uh, I've never realised because uh, I was just having a quick skim of the Wikipedia yesterday. I didn't realise there is a little sort of prequel webcast that was done that specifically kind of um, explains away the the continuity thing because obviously when we saw at the end of a good man goes to the war, we think Strax is dead. Yeah, and they do mention it in the episode that he was brought back to life by someone. But apparently, that we see that happen in this little webcast, and that's the moment that he he sort of hitches his ride to Vastra and, and Jenny and, and becomes their butler. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So they all sort of converge. The poor maid of of the uh, the Latimer household uh, just faints. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> She's got aliens and ice ladies coming at her from all angles. Um, and they, uh, Clara has to explain away the Doctor. And we haven't touched on the fact that Latimer obviously has a bit of a thing for Clara. Yeah. Yeah. So I think earlier, doesn't he, he says something like, oh, my children are lucky to have, an, you know, an, effectively a nanny who is so... And then he goes, beautiful. Oh, I, I meant intelligent. So, yeah, yes, so yeah, when she introduces the Doctor as her gentleman friend, and the Doctor, yes. obviously not being the romantic type, was like, yes, we were upstairs um, kissing. <laughs> like, yeah. He's just trying yeah. to like work his yeah. way around that scenario. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, and he goes sort of pale, and it's just like... You feel like he he was just about coping mm. with the aliens and the ice monsters and stuff, but like the thought of Clara having a gentleman friend is kind of the last straw for him. Well, in amongst the next scene where they run about a bit as the snowmen are approaching, so the snowmen yes. want to get in the house to get the ice lady mm-hmm. who's trapped at the top of the stairs. 
Yes. So everyone's running about a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The Doctor and Clara do share a kiss. They do, yes. And it's just sort of Clara being very forward, I think. And it, I, don't, it feels, I don't love it. It feels a long time since I've said this. It mm. feels almost, I don't know, it'd be about four series of Doctor Who since I last said this. Yeah. I hope it's not a romantic companion. Yeah, yeah. We don't need it, do we? No. Especially apart from anything else at this point, he's a married man. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally forgot that point. Yeah. Um, you know, he's only married when the plot needs him to be. <laughs> I think I think it, it tells us more about Clara than, than anything else. I think that's what it's doing. But uh, as I say, I don't need it. Well... It's it's one it's a bit of a mark against this episode for me. Well, I would say probably since maybe Martha, but definitely Rose. I don't think we've had a companion, and I haven't seen all of Clara. So but yeah. my initial impression is we haven't had a companion with as much of an adventurous spirit in quite a long time. You know, no, a- Amy and Rory so. eventually get there, but almost to the point where they're quite bored of going on adventures. Yeah, and... but, but Clara has this immediate kind of thirst for it. Yeah. Yeah. So the Doctor then has a standoff with Simeon, who tells him that in five minutes, if he hasn't released the Ice Woman, Simeon's just going to rain hell down, basically. Yes, yeah. Um. So as... The Doctor and Clara continue their running around the house. The Doctor has an umbrella. He's picked it up. Mm-hmm. A nice little nod back to last week, where he always had an umbrella. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was thinking that when I was watching it. Just like, oh yeah, I, I, thank goodness he doesn't adopt it as a permanent yeah. part of his uh, get-up. Yeah. So, Clara works out. Well, the Doctor, he's almost testing Clara isn't he? Mm-hmm. He's asking, yeah, I think so. He's asking her what his plan is. So he knows yeah. he's got a plan, but he wants to know whether she knows what the plan is. Yeah. And she deduces that because he took the umbrella, which has a hooked handle, mm-hmm. he's able to use it to lower the TARDIS ladder from earlier. Ladder, yeah. yeah. Um, so the Ice Woman then appears and chases them up the stairs. Yes. And he shows Clara the TARDIS. Yeah. And, the... and we need to talk about this this shot mm-hmm. of Clara going round, round the outside of the TARDIS and then heading on into the TARDIS. That is the first time ever that we have a single continuous shot going from the outside of the TARDIS into the interior. Okay. See, I've added, is it a new set for the TARDIS? It looks a lot it cleaner is. and tidier. It is a brand new set, hmm. yeah, and I and I think it, it's it's in fit it, it's in keeping with the mental state of this doctor at this point. Uh, in that his his previous one was kind of this higgledy piggledy mess that almost looked like a bit of a f- what's the word? Like it's almost like a playground. Yeah. It's just like full of stuff. Well, it was like student digs at times, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, it's it's kind of it's cold and austere and mm. all stainless steel and yeah. I, I did like the point where he was saying, you know, oh, everyone always reacts the same. Go on, you yeah. can say it. And I was expecting Clara to go, oh, it's bigger <laughs> on the inside, and she goes, it's yeah. smaller on the outside. <laughs> Yeah. And you know, what says, seven well, series of everyone going, oh, it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> yeah, really like that. Yeah, good line, good line. And um, it turns out, at this point, Clara likes making souffles. Yeah. Now, this was where go. I just didn't know what was going on. Like I say, <laughs> up until this point, I thought it was a case of uh, she's just an actress they had a nice time with, so they brought her back. Yes, but, yeah. You know, to acknowledge that, I was like, is she Oswin? Yeah, there is something going on there. Because there? from that, the Doctor gives her a TARDIS key. Yeah. And we've never seen that straight away either. No, that's very, very, very uh, quick off the bat. And you can you can interpret that in a few different ways. Perhaps it's the fact that the Doctor has 
this experience has made him realise that he's he's been moping for too long and it is time for him to move on and he's just kind of hitched himself to the first ride that's come along. <laughs> you could think about it in those terms. Uh, but also the fact that, as you say, he was always kind of like auditioning Clara. I think not, maybe not even consciously. I yeah. think almost subconsciously. Um, and when that moment happens and it clicks into place and he realises that there is... There's something going on here. There is there is some link between Oswin and Clara. Mm. He at that point just makes this snap decision. But you're right, it's very quick. Like I mean, Rose doesn't get a TARDIS key until what? Episode six or seven mm. of series one? <laughs> you know. So as we get this nice moment where we realise, you know, things are changing. The Ice Woman appears in the TARDIS, drags Clara out, and chucks her down to the earth. Yeah. And we talked about this when we talked about the Angels Take Manhattan. If she falls from that height, she is just strawberry jam. Yeah. There's nothing left of her, but, you know, she lands ever so softly. Family show, isn't it? (laughs) So, she dies, or at least we believe she's dying. And the Doctor uses the TARDIS to take her back to the big house. Yes. And like I say, I've just put in my notes, she's in good shape for such a fall. (laughs) Yeah, she just... she. I mean, the one thing I will say is it feels very... It's a proper Victorian story kind of death in that... You know how in in like a lot of period dramas... People will just be just generically ill. Yeah, and they'll just be quite pretty, but just lying around a lot. Yeah, <laughs> the occasional sort of melancholy cough. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just like, oh dear, they're dying. <laughs> uh, so so once yeah. back at the house, I've just put she's alive again. So I couldn't work yeah. out whether she died and somehow been brought back, or she didn't die but she's on her way out. Mm. So. The Doctor decides it's time to ask her whether to travel with him. But, at the same time, he also decides it's time to really go kick some ass. Yeah. This is where we... It's almost like angry David Tennant Doctor. Mm. You know, where you just know it's game time. Yes, definitely. Yeah, he just gets that face on. So, he agrees he's going to meet Simeon back at the Great Intelligence. Mm-hmm. And because he'd previously exploded the Ice Lady, he's got like a metal lunchbox that's got yes. a part of her in it. Yeah, and this is the reference to uh, the Web of Fear because that's that was set on uh, the underground in the 1960s. And the design on the lunchbox is uh, the 1967 London Underground map. Ah, right. So I didn't notice that. I didn't yes. get that. It's, I mean, it's, it, like I say... Deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he also gets there and tells Simeon that the intelligence is only really evil because it reflects Simeon and his mm. emotions. So it was going to mirror whatever it was presented with, but because he was yeah. so, for want of a better term, cold and callous, um, it reflected that. Yeah. So eventually the Doctor hands over the box to Simeon, except Mm -hmm. it hasn't got the Ice Woman in it. It's got the memory worm. Now, I I didn't see that coming. Yeah, Chekhov's memory worm. Yeah, I just sort of forgot (laughs) all about that. You know, yeah, I think I think it's it's really good deflection because that scene is just played as a comedy scene. Yeah, so it kind of neutralizes. You, you forget that there's it's that's actually quite a powerful bit of technology, if you like, to have in your arsenal. You know, something that could just wipe someone's memory. Mm. Um, so, yeah, well played, Moffat. So, by unleashing it on Simeon, it bites him, which is going to wipe yeah. out vast majority of his memory. Yes. And by doing so, it's going to wipe the reflection of Simeon in The Great Intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. And just when you think the doctor's won, it just turns out he hasn't. Yeah. So well because obviously he didn't think about the fact that like you know the great intelligence was basically its whole thing is it can it can sort of uh it it takes sort of hollow shell creatures like the snowmen for example and then can can control them to an extent. 
so he, the Doctor's basically given him what it wants. It's given him a hollowed out person. Yeah. That so he can then just sort it, of use as a puppet. It becomes Ice Simeon. Yes. And throughout this episode, I've noted at this point, it keeps saying winter is coming. Oh, yeah, that does keep happening, doesn't it? Yeah, so this is a year since the launch of Game of Thrones. Yeah. I even Googled it. Game of Thrones started in 2011. Yeah. It's not a coincidence, is it? It's just... It's just, yeah, we yeah. don't need it. And, and we definitely don't need it multiple times. Once, I could have forgiven, but... The thing yeah. is, because it's just not a phrase people say. <laughs> no, it's not at all. <laughs> you know, so you're more, like you're more likely fun. to just go, oh, it's getting cold, isn't it? Soon, yeah. soon be Christmas. No one ever yeah. goes, oh, winter's coming. Yeah. I mean, maybe farmers do. Yeah. But, but also, winter is clearly already there. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's been it's there Christmas for a while. Eve. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, we don't need that, but we got it anyway. Right. Now, the next bit, I think I've made head and tail of, but I wasn't that certain. As yeah. she's dying, Clara begins to cry. Mm-hmm. I've just put she cries and dies a little bit. And the snow mirrors her tears. So rather yes. than snow, it turns to, like, rain. Because don't they yes. say it's raining salt water? Yes, yeah, because it's 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 technically not rain, it's tears. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Okay. So, again, this is this I think is an example of something that I will forgive in a Christmas special that I wouldn't necessarily in a regular episode mm-hmm. because it is very sentimental and you know it makes it more emotional sense than it does any kind of logical sense. <laughs> but it's a Christmas special, so it doesn't bother me in this context. And yeah, it's all all just plays into the sadness that, that Clara is dying. Yeah. So knowing that Clara is dying, the doctor sort of buzzes across town again in his TARDIS mm-hmm. back to Latimer's house. And the doctor reaches there. He seems to remember the great intelligence. I think this is the point you were talking about with the card. Yeah. Yeah. And just before she pops her clogs. Clara says, run, you clever boy. Now, yeah. Now, question number two, is that her catchphrase? Yes. Right. It certainly seems to be at this point, doesn't it? Yeah. So the Doctor then realises that that's what Oswin said to her. Yes. To him, sorry. And yeah. he says, well, I never managed to see Oswin's face because obviously she was trapped inside a Dalek. Uh, mm-hmm. But the voice was the same. And... You know, he talks about the same woman dying twice separately in time. Yeah. And I get the feeling that's going to be this series' bad wolf. <laughs> Seems to be. Yeah. And but once she's dead, the Doctor just sort of clears off to go find her again in time. Yeah, because he... Um... And I like the moment where he's like he's like, he's like excited explaining this to Vastra and Jenny, and he sort of says, "Right, stay right there," <laughs> and starts heading off to the harness. And, and they say, "Like, will he be back?" Shouldn't think so. Yeah. Just like <laughs> just could be like... at any point in time from now on. You know, yes. it, yeah, absolute fluke if they cross paths again. Yeah, um, and then so I we get mm. modern Clara. Yeah, because I I did think knowing that Jenna Coleman was going to be the companion. Mm-hmm. I thought, are we going to get a historical companion? Because we haven't had oh. one in New Who, have we? Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. I thought, yeah. is he going to have a Victorian woman with him? Um, yeah. You know, because from what I know of Classic Who, that was entirely possible. Oh, yeah, it definitely um, happened, yeah. But no, we've, there's a third Clara now yes. who is talking to a friend... She walks mm-hmm. past a grave that says Clara Oswin Oswald. Yes. It's unfortunate double barreled middle surname, um, isn't it? I think it I think it says something like we sh- yeah, we shall meet we again. We shall meet again. Something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she says the, you know, don't worry so, about So the other thing the other thing is uh, the date on that gravestone, 23rd of November, which is the date Doctor Who was first broadcast. Ah. So, yeah, just a nice little nod there. So, a friend is like, well, what are we doing in the graveyard? And she says, ah, oh, don't worry, I don't believe in ghosts. And that's sort mm. of where things end. 
yeah, so there you go. Nice, nice sort of tantalising setup for where things might be headed. Yeah, I'm quite excited to see where things go. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a very intriguing premise. Hmm. I think this sort of like although reflections is it the same person? Are they different people who just somehow have some kind of weird connection that spans time and space? And plus, you know, every series, you know, I always refer to it as the bad wolf seems to have yeah. like its mystery to it. Yeah. Whereas here, the Doctor knows what he's doing and it's more like a treasure hunt through time, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that idea of just, you know, the adventures sort of laid out before us. We know what the Doctor's plan is, what he wants. Yeah, it's quite unusual for him to have, a, have anything remotely uh, like a plan. Mm. Definitely. Because <laughs> you know? even with something like Bad Wolf, yes, that was something that just kept popping up, but the Doctor had no control mm. over it. It was just a thing that was out there that seemed to be following him. So, yeah, so but, considering how sort of down I've been on Doctor Who, I, I've got a yeah. little bit of excitement to see what's coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after... Uh, I mean, I, I texted you in the week. After last week, I, I did a bit of sort of further reading around Ace... Because, yes. uh, you know, I did feel that I haven't seen the best of her. And I don't know. I don't know if I've just sort of... You know, like when you read something, you're able to imagine it in your own mind's eye. Having yes. sort of read her Wikipedia and a few different stories and things, I don't know. Mm. I feel like I've really warmed to her, even though like yeah. I don't know her that much. No, she is a fan favourite. I'm really excited about what eventually watching more Seventh Doctor stuff and really getting to know Ace as a character. Um, I, I, I sort of was a bit more accepting of her. I just think we saw a bad story for her. Potentially, uh, like, and like I say, I don't, I don't like, I don't dislike the character as written. I think the issue I had with it was more in, down to Sophie Eldridge's performance, but she was very young when she was doing it. It was one of her first television. Jobs, really, I think. So, you know, I don't hold that against her. I still hate the Seventh Doctor and Sylvester McCoy, but let's not (laughs) retread that ground. Yeah, now that's a discussion for another time, maybe. Um, But anyway, yeah, so I'm quite excited to see where we go from here and see see how the rest of Series 7 strikes you. Um, So join us next week when we will be discussing if you like the first episode of 7B proper... The Bells of St. John. Okay. Looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. So until then, thank you very much for listening, and cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com, and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.